You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Fully Occupied Podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite listening platform or just shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on future guests, topics you'd like to hear about, ask us any questions you have, or just say hi. Enjoy the show. Natalie, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. Thanks for joining us. Heck yeah. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Uh, how are things out in Sin City? They, oh, we don't like to be called Sin City, but Vegas is. Oh, no, you great. don't. No, that is the old. That's old. But uh, Sin That's City is doing great. Sin City, I guess, because uh, the brokers are on fire, right? Uh, but Southern Nevada is doing great. It's great to be here. And then I also work up in Northern Nevada, Reno. It's a hour plane ride, seven hour drive. Um, but it's great. Everything's good. Awesome. Well, thanks for having us, um, or thanks for coming on. I think uh, we'd love to just hear your backstory. Kind of uh, give us your quick bio, like how'd you get into the business? What are you doing in the business? What do you love about the business? Who who is Natalie Wainwright? Oh, that's loaded. Well, I grew up. Uh, just, <laughs> you know, well, for before we get started, I got to meet Andrew in person. Awesome. Uh, came to sin city and um and it was great (laughs) Vegas definitely delivered while he was here i'm sure but uh he what a cool guy it was really great to meet one of your co-founders so just start out with that and uh but uh who's natalie wainwright so i started in a really non-traditional way in the business i was with cushman and wakefield going on seven years and then came over to a boutique about a year and a half ago and um i'm just loving it and uh exclusive tenant rep the first six months in the biz, I worked under a landlord rep and I'd see him, you know, pick up the phone. And if they were unwrapped, he'd hang it up and he would just laugh. And he's one of the best landlord reps in the biz. And I still love him. And, um, but I just gravitated towards doing only tenant rep and I've been doing it ever since. And I wake up every day, loving what I do. Even last night, getting a lease at five 30 and my client immediate biggest gaming company in the city calls me and he goes, okay, so I see you got the lease. And I go, Sure did. And he goes, okay, so I guess I'll get the lease comments by, by like 830 tonight. And I'm like, I guess you will. <laughs> I guess I'm cracking a bottle of wine and going through the comments. <laughs> yeah. I'll, Whiskey. Um, so, you know, I'm on the football field instead of watching my son. Um, and I don't know if you have kids, but like, they know if you're watching or not. And so like, yep. he'll play and like, look over and if I'm not watching. I'll hear about it on the way home, even though he's almost 13 years old. So um, I love everything about the business. I love the clients. I love, I love space. I love I, I, everything, you know, development, raw land, knowing what it's going to be, you know, driving with my kids down the highway and seeing a building that's literally just got signage all over it. And I'm like, mom did that deal. I did that deal. Uh, <laughs> you know, but there's nights like last night I'm on the field and I, and I literally just, I like started to cry. I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I live like my eyes are burning. I'm on a field. It's 106 degrees out. I forgot to bring ice packs for my MacBook. So it keeps turning off, <laughs> but this client wants it by 830 and they're the biggest gaming client in the city. You do what they tell you, you know what I yep. mean? And, and if I don't pay the bills, who the hell is going to do it? So 
You didn't ask me all of that, but <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Anybody that knows me go is listening and is gonna go, yeah, that's pretty much Natalie in a nutshell. Um, so it's the so where are you from? Did you did you grow up in Las Vegas? Did you grow up in Nevada or are you a transplant? I grew up in Southern Cali, uh, Redondo Beach, born and raised, and um, you know, ran cross country on the beach, and you don't realize. Uh, how great you have it until you move away. And I was a military yeah. wife and uh, just never thought I'd have to get a job. You know, I was a mom, stay-at-home mom and didn't get my education. He went off and got highly educated. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it the mom thing. And, uh, but I was the mom the way that I am a rep, tenant rep. You know, I just loved being a stay-at-home mom. It's the hardest job in the entire world. Like, yeah. It's the hardest job, man. I don't know how, I don't know how women do it. I could never do it again. Hardest job ever. And, um, but then I had to get a job. So started at Cushman as a receptionist and, uh, and then just worked my, worked my face off and got a lot of great opportunities by some amazing human beings. And, and just, you know, now I'm, now I'm just crushing it and, and loving life. That's an awesome story. So you, you had to get a job, you got a job as a receptionist and then just started being the most badass receptionist that you could and then what like you started realizing this business is kind of cool like how do I start doing that like how did that all come together yeah so I um yeah was receptionist and um you know I just knew that you know $12 an hour wasn't going to pay for me and my two kids and um, by the grace of God didn't get on any state aid and uh my shift started at 8 a.m., but I would get in at 7.30. I dropped my son off at the pre-care and my daughter was old enough for elementary. And there was this guy there every day early named Dan Palmieri. And it was always me oh, and I know him. Dan. Yeah. You know Dan? And yeah. so who the hell doesn't know Dan, right? If Dan, I- was on our, Dan was on our first podcast episode. No way. That's awesome. Anytime anyone doesn't know Dan, I'm like, okay, where the hell have you been? So it was me and him early every day. And so that's why I always tell, you know, my dad raised me to show up, shut up and shine. And so I'd just be there early every day. And he'd be like, you know, hello, Miss Natalie, you know, he's the greatest guy ever. And, um, and I just knew to be there early. And I, I, even though I started at eight, the coffee would be ready. And I got all my clothes from the Goodwill and I had one pair of shoes. (laughs) I had one pair of shoes and, um, and I just knew I had to be, I had to be there and I had to dress the part. And, um, and just by being there, the first person that he saw every day, we were able to say hello. And he just saw this person that worked really hard. And I applied to be an admin and this sweet woman, Caroline Lyacona, she's like, you're not, you're not qualified. And I'm like, that's really fascinating years later <laughs> because I lied on the entire thing and my sister-in-law wrote the entire thing so I really should have been should have been qualified but um and just he hired me to be his assistant with his then partner that was the landlord rep and um I borrowed money from my dad and got my license they told me in a couple of years we'll get your license and I'm like yeah but even with what you guys are paying me and they obviously they paid me a salary that was generous um for my skill set at the time which was just not good um and uh, just fell in love with what dan was doing because i never saw him calculate a commission one time when he got a new client ever and believe me cushman wakefield they want you to calculate they're like so what's your pipeline and i always call saw him go don't know you know you don't calculate your commissions you just do your best for your client and uh he just by the grace of god trained me how to 
um, showed me everything, had me on every phone call on speakerphone, let me record. I still have the recordings to this day in my Dropbox, play them for my, my teammate that I'm grooming um, and just taught me everything and treated me as an equal from day one, which I'm sure he now rues the day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's how I was able to just kind of work my way up in the business. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about crew and about men being a mentor myself. I'm a mentor to a ton of women and men is because there's such a lack of mentorship. This business is impossible to get into. Um, and those admin positions are being outmoded because of COVID. Companies are starting to use virtual. They're starting to have one admin for a whole pod um, and yeah. they're not investing. Um, in, and that's why I love where I'm at at Logic. They, they invested in me, they invested in my team and I'm able to have Kelly and, and, you know, and she's getting off of that structure. But um, those positions where you can start off on a salary and then start making commissions are going away. So what are we going to do to groom the next year's, yeah. especially for women um, and mothers that we need money to start out. So I was given this well, incredible opportunity. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people think, oh, admin, like you're, you know, just like a runner and a secretary and all that stuff. But like in the brokerage world, like I, I did it for 10 years, like the admin is literally the glue of that team. And when you're, you know, coming in and you're unqualified, you don't know anything about the business, you get thrown into it immediately because depending on the level of, you know, technical competence or, or level of um, pipeline and amount of deals that your, your partners and the people that you're supporting are doing, you get a lot of stuff thrown at you and you have to figure it out really, really fast. So it's like an awesome, you know, training ground for somebody that like wants to become a broker. And maybe you don't even know you want to become a broker, but all of a sudden you're learning all this stuff. Like, you know how to put an RFP together. You know how to like redline a proposal. You know how to put a survey together and make marketing materials. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know, you do it for a year or two and you're like, I know pretty much all kind of like the administrative stuff about being a broker now. I just need to figure out how to manage a client. And then all of a sudden, Negotiate. you know, you're, you're yeah. negotiating and you're dealing with clients and you still might be an admin, but like the clients actually know who you are. And then yeah. to your point, like, it's like, well, like, I think all I really need is a real estate license and I can do this job. Um, and that happens a lot. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, and then obvious, and then your name also gets there too. I remember my first year or two, I would call the brokers, you know, I think there's really only like 20 true office brokers in, the, in our city in Southern Nevada. And I do work in Reno too, but here in Southern Nevada that really do all the deals and my first couple of years in the business. And it's kind of happening to Kelly now and she gets frustrated, but she understands they're not going to return your phone calls. They're not going to return your yeah. email. Well, then all of a sudden when Dan would call or email Johnny on the spot. And so you, when you're in those roles, then they start hearing your name more. And then when you become licensed and you start doing the deals, then you become the person that they talk to. So it's a great way to get exposure to the players in town and yep. to, you know, to start cutting your teeth and to make the mistakes when the stakes aren't as high, you know, mm -hmm. you don't want to make a mistake and have it be on your client's back because you don't know what the hell you're doing. And so there, that is just such a great way to get the mentorship and to, to really learn the business, hear the words, ask the questions because you're in a safe environment and you have somebody that has your back. There is yep. such a lack at every single firm right now. I don't care who or what's going on. If you don't have somebody like what I had, um, then you're, you're really just at a disadvantage of you know, yeah. waiting for the business. 
yeah, you need you need a mentor or a senior person that is invested in you. Yeah, yeah, somebody to give a damn and it's not going to try to dip in. And I hear this all the time at every firm. It's like, yeah, if I ask for help and they want 10 or 20% of my deal, people can come to me all day long. I don't care what city you're in. You're in my own city. You're a direct competitor. I don't care. Ask me for anything, a template for help, a serve my survey template, my marketing templates, because my marketing is obviously how I get so much of my business. I want you to win and I'm never going to ask for a piece for anything because we are such a, an industry where people are making it. They're not turning around and grabbing people with them and we're a dying breed. And mm -hmm. so the, the days of covering your paper and wanting to be the only ones at the board table, I just think it's dying out and the people like the Dan's, the me's, the Ken Ashley's um, and then, you know, and the Coy Davidson's are the ones that are going to be left standing because we've got to bring up these, this next generation of brokers. Um, yeah. as it's people are leaving the industry in groves because they're just not making it. There's, there's yeah, but the, but the tenants still need your expertise. So like, yes, there's still do. an opportunity. Yeah. There's still a, uh, goodness, there's right? still a role there. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you supported two senior brokers, one focused on landlord, Dan focused more on tenant. Like, where did you learn that you wanted to just do the tenant stuff because yeah. the landlord side is is really actually a really great way to understand the tenant leasing process and like what they're looking for and all the things that drive their decisions. Like, why did you, why did you just put your chips on the tenant side? Yeah. You know, great question. I'm glad that I did that under his name was Bob Hawkins. Again, still one of the best in the biz, in my opinion, because he would run and pick, put down the phone and go show third, you know, 3000 or thousand square feet, just as fast as he would for his landlords is 10,000. So if I owned a building, he's probably one that I would have in, you know, pitch to show my building because he's so hungry. He doesn't just put a sign on a building. Um, but I gravitated towards the exclusive tenant rep side, which is all that team does over there, Dan's team, because I felt I'm a hippie at heart. Um, you know, I shoot left politically. I like to be dangerous and tell people that, but uh, I feel like I'm doing something that's making the world a better place. And I feel like I actually make a difference. And if I don't, the day that I don't fall asleep um, or the day that I can't look somebody in the eyes, the day that I'll get out of the business. And so I'm, I, you know, my dad's my best friend and he raised me that if you're not living to know that we're all connected and that what you do impacts the world and the greater good, um, then you're just not do. then I didn't raise you correctly. And so I do feel like even though my client that I told you before we started recording that had me reviewing the lease last night till I cried, um, even though they're a $5 billion publicly traded company, I care about their bottom line just as I would if it was somebody looking out for my well-being. Um, and I'm always going to be fighting. And it's it's interesting with tenant rep, the better I do my job, the less money I make. So the people that I have buying a building right now in Fallon, they really wanted to put in this offer at this one price. And I said, I really feel like I can save you another 50 grand. They're like, Natalie, don't do it. We don't want to lose this building. I'm like, I really feel like I could do it. I know that you're going to need to replace all the HVAC units. And lo and behold, I got him. And my and Kelly goes, but Natalie, you're going to make less money now. We're going to make less money as a team. And I go, I know, but now they can buy those HVAC units and they don't have to finance as much. And um, it really is the greatest feeling in the entire world that I just help these young entrepreneurs that are buying their first building have to 
spend less money on the the, the property and yeah even and, though you could have made a bigger fee on a bigger sale made, price right yeah, well, yeah. i think it was like a four thousand dollar delta on the commissions i could have made and listen i got two babies that i that i have to raise but I, I love what I do so much. And so to answer your question in a long-winded way is like, I, I care about people's bottom line. And I've seen so many companies, tech companies, Vegas is being hit by tech companies right now. And what's happening is they're not being represented properly. And sometimes they are represented. And I use the word properly on purpose and they're getting too much space and they're having to, they're going out of business. And then I'm- are These tech companies, are they coming from out of state or are they like homegrown and like, is, is most of that business like relationships that you built with other brokers who trust you and you that they're like, I'm couple, we, we got this requirement. They're opening a spot in Vegas. Like you're our go-to go do this. Or are you finding that like the, it's an organic tech growth in, in Las Vegas? It's organic. There's a big organic tech growth in Las Vegas with a startup scene. We have a lot of incubator space downtown. Uh, the city of Las Vegas is doing a great job um, of cultivating. The UNLV has a tech park here. That So there's a lot of inbound in growth in our city, this great tech ecosystem that we have. And I could totally geek yep. out. But then there's also this influx from Southern and Northern California, because unfortunately, it's just not a business friendly environment. It's just not, and that's my home state and it hurts me to say it. So they're coming over here. They're not represented or they are, they're taking down way too much space. They're signing long-term deals and they're getting screwed. They, even if they are represented, the broker is looking at it like, ooh, class A space, most yeah. expensive space Big in deal, town. longer term. Yeah, yeah, five year term. And he's getting his commission. He's going off down the road. That client is then calling him in six months. We can't afford it. Sublease it for us. Fully furnished. $100,000 in furniture. Five-year deal. Now the broker is going to make a commission on the sublease space. I would not be able to sleep at night. My dad would kick my ass if I did that with a client. I don't know how these efforts sleep at night. Excuse my mouth. I just don't understand. I, I it just it's it's so awful. So I I I and they're doing such a disservice. And these are landlord brokers that are doing tenant rep deals, which is fine. But I think the importance in being exclusive only, and there's only four exclusive tenant reps in this entire state, not city, state, statewide. Um, my team and the other team that I that I was so fortunate to be on before I left and came over to Logic. And so when I'm pitching for big companies that know what the hell they're doing and that they're sophisticated, um, like many of my clients, you either choose mine or the other tenant rep team that's incredible, obviously they trained me, um, then you're doing a good job. If you're choosing these teams that do both sides, they're gonna steer you towards their buildings and you're not getting a fair shake. Yeah. But that's the truth. There's no, there's has, no such thing as this wall. Yeah, has, has COVID been an impact on those deals, like, are, are people trying to sublease space because people are coming back to the office? Are, like, what what is COVID's impact? Data. You guys are like, you guys have the most sophisticated data out there. I mean, Andrew was up on stage and I'm like, wait, who's supposed to be the bro here? You're like, he said that it was, you guys are seeing triple, um, the amount of activity is tripled right now versus fall of last year, right? Yeah, in terms of in terms of deal activity in our platform. Yeah. yeah. So I know that you're asking me about sublease space, but no. And I think that the sublease space that everyone was like, I threw down with my competitors here locally. They're like, how can you say the market's hot? There's so much sublease space. Yeah, it's phantom. 
I get to lease, subleases with them. And then it's these Fortune 500 companies that were just wanting to put it on because it was the trendy thing to do and show that their shareholders that they're trying to offload the space. We get a sublease. They're like, oh, you know, we, we rethought it. We're not actually trying to get rid of it. So it's phantom sublease space. I didn't let it affect my market numbers. My market is the hottest it's ever been. Our vacancy rates are the lowest they've ever been. There's not enough space for the demand. We have uh, 500,000 square feet under development. It's all pre-leased. Um, the stuff that's not pre-leased, my clients don't want to be at. It's crazy right now. It's crazy. So no, there's not enough sublease space to fit demand. Yeah, and I think the kind of for those publicly traded companies that are putting space on the market, it's 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 true. Like they can write that write that off like as soon as they list it. They just, so yeah, yeah. I mean, wasting my friggin' time. And I'm looking at the broker. Like, why are you taking this on? Like, do me a favor. Put some decoder pen words in the ad, or let me let me know when I call that this is you're full of shit. <laughs> Because you're wasting yeah. my client's time. My client's also a Fortune 500 company. I have things to do. They've got occupancy goals. Don't waste my time. Yeah. So you kind of already answered like your favorite part of the job, which <laughs> seems to be um, like you, having, an, having an impact on your client's bottom lines and, you know, making them, you know, make, have, let, seeing them become successful as entrepreneurs or business operators and owners. Absolutely. Like, what are some of the things that are most important to your tenant clients? Uh, finding a space that fits their, their needs culturally is really, really important. Making sure that they can not only attract talent, but retain the talent. So they're, they're wanting places that, um, I'm, one of my clients right now, their space comes with a patio. They are so excited. And it's not so that their client, their team can go out and smoke it so that they can open up the the doors and and see the the red rock and and hear what's going on downstairs or down on the first floor of the the village of the space that they're taking down um, and just making sure that their employee base is happy and that the the space that they have provides what they're they're looking for and that it it gives off the the energy um, you know, COVID isn't something that I'm being asked about a lot. There's a lot of new technology coming out that kind of mitigates the risk of um, the breeding ground of germs that's really exciting mm -hmm. that I'm able to tell them about. But um, it's, it's not so much costs right now, which is great. I'm kind of seeing a flight to quality. Um, my B and C users are kind of going up to A. I'm not seeing them taking down smaller footprints at all. I'm seeing clients that are, hey, we only want to be in the West. Well, now they want to be in the West and the Eastern corridor. So they have two locations, same size. So it's not less footprint, it's double the footprint um, so that yeah. they can be on both sides of the valley. So I'm not seeing what the newspaper is saying. I'm not seeing what's on the news. I, you know, and I get asked about it all the time. And I think that those stories that are run are only hurting the decision maker and the person striking the check because they're waiting, thinking, oh, you know, I can get a better rate or I can wait until six months before my lease expires because it's only going to get worse. Well, you're wrong. And the spaces are only going to be gone and you're going to make me tour you twice. And then I'm going to fire you because my commodity is time and I don't have time. I could be touring a client that's serious. And so um, it, it's just the best thing that a client can do is decide where they want to be and then decide what they want for their, for, their, for their clients and their employees 
and then just be serious about it and go after it because the Southern Nevada market is so hot, we don't have time for you to kick the can down the road. How much of, is like the hybrid work model like um, impacting decisions? So you just made the example of the client that wanted to have a location on both the East and West corridors. Is that to accommodate so that people, employees can get to an easy, uh, a workplace easier, maybe they're going to work from home one or two days a week, but they don't want to drive all the way to the other side of town just to go to the office. Is it is because we're seeing that too, is like the, the model of like decentralizing the headquarters. So you have the headquarters location. Yeah. Everybody used to go to, everyone used to commute it in the city and go to the same big building. But now it's like, well, what if we just had two offices, one over here and one over there, we can make everybody's life better because they don't have to sit in the car for an hour to get to work. I think and it's they could... too. Don't you think so? Don't you... I think it's less about the employees and more about and less about the hub and spoke model and more about the whole the clients too. So if you have clients in Henderson um, yeah. and clients in Summerlin, they're less like they're more likely to come into your office and get the loans done. This is a loan company, home loan company. If you're if you're more convenient. Got it. Yeah, it, that is a factor, especially if there's some client facing element to your business for yeah. sure. Yeah. And the hybrid model, God, I'm loving the hybrid model. I don't know about you. I can't tell you have your, your backdrop is so nice. I can't tell if you're at the home or you're- Does it look real or fake? Oh, it looks real. Is it real? Yeah, it's real. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm in my, I'm in, I'm in the office. We just, we just started going back to the office in July. So, um, this office. The office office. Yeah. Okay. It looks like an office office. I'm at my home office. I was at my office office yesterday and it felt great. I loved it. Like I have my little air diffuser. I've got my TV on the wall, but then I'm like, then tomorrow today, I'm like, I'm kid free. I'm never at my house without kids. The kids are always here. Um, <laughs> well, my daughter's off college, but my, you know, my son's always here. So I, I just was like, oh my God, it feels so great to be here alone. So I love the hybrid opportunity. I, I love it. I thrive doing what the hell I can, I, I can doing what I want when I want to do it. Um, and so I think a lot of users are that way, um, depending on what industry and what they do within the company. But I let like Kelly's working from home today, my teammate, um, and that's fine. So, but tomorrow we're yeah. going to be office so a lot of right. companies are doing hybrid but just because it's hybrid they still need that space to go kelly still needs her room her area her you know her bullpen cube what do you know cube um and i still need my office so yeah. just because a, a company is going to do hybrid doesn't mean they still don't need the space when they get there and that's why i just don't understand why all these studies are saying less of a footprint less of a footprint it still needs to be there when they're there yeah I just don't get it. And my law firms are doing these cool things where they're taking down less of a, um, you know, how every executive and every and every lawyer needs their own big, huge office um, and having more of a shared space, like more bullpen space, which I just yeah. think is so bad. It's just, I need to stop having potty mouth. I apologize. You bring out the Italian in me. I think it's because you're from Boston. I love people from Boston. I, um, they're just having smaller offices for the attorneys and then just encouraging, Hey, everybody let's get together. There is no tiered system. Yeah. That's great. Well, you mentioned Kelly. So mentioned earlier about women breaking into the, um, commercial real estate business. So I know that you're super active with crew, which is commercial real estate women, right? Yep. They have chapters in every major city. They do. What is what is the work like with crew? And then more broadly, like what are what are some of the barriers that women face when they're trying to get into commercial real estate? 
I'm so happy and thankful you just asked me that. So yeah, crew, um, and, and I like to say N-men at the end of the acronym because they, they love and accept men into the chapter. And we literally cannot do it without the men that support us. It's a fact um, because so many decision makers in companies and our sponsors are men. So we need the men to strike the check and to continue to be voices of change. And um, there's a over 12,500 members globally. It's a global um, organization. The next convention is actually here in Vegas. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I encourage everybody to be a member. It changed my life. Their leadership program is something that Cushman Wakefield put me through. MIT trainers taught me how to negotiate, um, taught me how to go into a room, taught me how to network, taught me so much. Um, incredible life-changing organization. Wendy Mann is the CEO and just one of the most amazing women on the planet. The president is Tiffany English and next year's president is Barbie Reuter. Oh my God. And we need to tag her in everything. She's just the, the most incredible woman you'll ever meet in your entire life. And that's all I have to say. But um, that uh, the, the barrier is 85% men in commercial real estate. So dollars to donuts, you walk into a room to negotiate a deal. Guess who you're negotiating men with is men. So how do you do that? It's different. And so if you get into this business and you see it as a detriment or you see yourself as a victim that you're a woman, get out of the industry. You have the wrong mindset. You need to see it as an advantage and you need to play to those advantages. Now, does that mean taking provocative photos and putting them all over your social media? No, other women will hate you, me included. Uh, you need to be a lady, you need to be graceful and you need to pay your dues. But you also need to surround yourself with other women that are like you that will support you. So the women that I mentioned earlier, myself, you can find a tribe of women in this industry that will be there at any time of the day with any of your questions and help you to win. Um, and there's also men. And so the CREI Summit that Occupier is a sponsor of um, is all about that. There's not going to be one person in attendance at that organization that will not answer any question and give you anything that you need for proposals, language, anything, how to win a pitch, how to get a client. Um, that will be in attendance at that organ that summit um, to help you win as a as a woman in this industry, and that's from Collier's, Cushman and Wakefield, anything. Um, but truly, the the way to win is to surround yourself with people that are doing your same position. Um, I know once or twice a week, I have you know confidential, not confidential, but just meetings that I don't put on my Twitter or my Instagram or my LinkedIn. Um, where I help women that want to know how to prospect, want to know how to bring value to their team because they're new to the team, want to know how to hold themselves in pitches because maybe they don't have something to add. You don't ever go to a pitch and stay silent. There's always something that you can add. Um, and there's just little, there's little things that we can do um, when we're new to the industry, we're new, uh, maybe we're invited to a meeting, we're invited to a panel. There's things that you can do to stand out and there's so much more we bring to the table than just being a female. Um, we don't have to masculinize our, how do we say that word? Masculinize, masculinize. Close enough, yeah. Thank you, thank you for not helping me. Masculinize. Masculinize. Is that, I think we're, I think we're both wrong, but I like that we're wrong. Is that a real word? Yeah. Oh my God, I made it up, okay. Let's, let's go with it. You don't have to mail yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was told to um, not wear open-toed shoes. 
um, when I first got in the industry as a female, uh, because that was very unprofessional. I was told to wear less dress and skirts. I was told to just be anything other than myself. Um, I was told not to talk about being a single mother. I was told so many things, uh, wear a wedding ring. It makes women less intimidated. Um, it just so many things to be anything other than myself. And I, I like to think I'm one of the more successful women brokers in my industry, in my city. And um, it's all because I just refused to change who I was as a human. And um, I just, I hope that that's the biggest message that anybody gets from this is just be who you are and don't change it. Man, female, doesn't matter, but um, there's a lot of people out there that will love and support you um, for just being who you are. Cool. Um, you mentioned your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, whatever. You're, you're the hashtag CRE fam legend. So tell me a little bit about like what made you get into using social media as a way to market yourself? And, and I know that we could probably have a completely separate episode dedicated to just that question for you. Um, but you're one of the more active people out there. Like how, how did you come upon it? Um, what are the benefits that you see from it? What would you tell somebody if they're trying to get into it? Um, get on it, search it. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, how do I do it? Just search CRE fam hashtag CRE fam on Twitter. Um, which is, would be the most popular. Uh, we're kind of a family on LinkedIn as well, but my main thing would be you, you'll meet people like you like yourself. It's, um, how Coy Davidson and I are so close, um, got into it because, uh, my, uh, my then partner told me to, and then I just met this tribe of like family. They really are family. Um, and it's just, when I left Cushman Wakefield, COVID hit, didn't know it was coming. And, um, and I obviously you have to leave a lot of your clients behind, right? When you leave a big firm and, um, I was able to absolutely thrive and, um, I've quadrupled my business since I left. And, um, obviously it's not a, I'm not a network, but a, 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 I'm at a firm that has, um, a few locations on the Western United States and, um, all of my business is self brought in, however you want to say that. And I would say 75% is through hunter gathering or hunting and through the use of LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. And I'm closing on a building this month that I got through Instagram. Um, LinkedIn is a huge source of, I have made hundreds of thousands of dollars through those social media platforms. And it's just being yourself. Some days I'm grumpy, some guys I'm great. I share the wins, I share the losses and I support my fellow brokers. And so get in, have some fun. If you find me on there, um, just, you'll find me. If you search that hashtag, I will introduce you to everybody else and, um, and help you win as well. So walk, walk me through an example because it could seem a little bit abstract the traditional broker, like, what do you mean you're making a lot of money off leads from these platforms? Is it other cooperating brokers in other cities that need you to help them in Vegas? Is it literally like DMing um, the CFO or CEO of companies and saying, hey, like, I can help you with your next office move? Like, is it all of the above? Like, what's the most yeah. the common way that you actually generate business from it? Yeah, good question. I get so in the weeds that I forget. I apologize. Um, a big portion is brokers that have needs in my market. They'll they'll we're, we're friends. It doesn't matter what firm they're with. They're still going to use me. I'm not an SIOR. I've taken the classes um, and everything else. But obviously, changing firms, I'll still do. A, I do a lot of SIORs work um, here. 
Um, but then it's also CFOs and CEOs that find me. I um, am not proud to admit that I don't reach out for business using social media. People find me. So it's omnipresence. You want to create a sense of omnipresence. Gosh, you're that girl. It happened to me um, last week. I, I golf. And uh, I was on a golf course and three people on the 18 holes of the 18 holes came up to me. I actually have a, my friend recorded it. Um, you're that girl from LinkedIn. So it's creating an environment, no matter where people go, it's this face. Um, and I'm just, I'm using it as a tool to educate people. What the heck is the tenant rep? Hey, what the heck is the office market like? And so it's just creating an environment of, of omnipresence. It's not constantly asking because nobody cares. Yeah, it's not a, it's not like a spam machine where you're like, you know, just like cold outreach to people. No, don't ask people for their business. It's rude. You wouldn't do it in a networking event. You wouldn't be like, hi, I'm Mike. I do, this is what I do. This is what I fired at. Nobody cares, right? Nobody ever cares about what we do. People hear real estate and their eyes glaze over because they hear insurance and they want to run. And so it's making it cool. There's only one version of you and I on this call. And so it's letting people have the opportunity to fall in love with you and what's unique about us. And so it's just sharing little snippets of who we are and what we do for a living and hoping that one day, that CFO, that CEO. Somebody notices, yeah. Will need our services. Yep. Or they'll know somebody that needs our services. You know, like that. there's doctors that follow me. And so I had a, a doctor um, reach out. He wants to buy a building. That happens all the time. It, it literally, it's insane. If I showed you my active deals, I, we highlight it green. If it comes from social media, it's all green. It's, it's absolutely insane how using social media has changed my entire life, but I would trade yeah. all of the relationships that I've made. Yeah. Like Jack Burns from Cresta in Boston, he, we're Twitter friends and he, his granddaughter is the same age as my daughter. And I share like funny stories about my daughter because she drives me nuts. Um, and his granddaughter is a lot like mine. And so he called me and he's like, Natalie. I'm going to do a Boston. Yeah, I got this client. Well, okay. It's the biggest gaming client in the entire city, Jack. You can go ahead and, you know, but when we talk, it's about my daughter and his granddaughter and then a little bit about the client. And yep. that's whenever anybody calls me, they go, they always bring up something funny about my son that plays football or, you know, something because they've, it's something personal. And so if you're a broker and you're listening to this, how do I get started? Share like fun stuff your kids, your family, your life, your, you closed this great deal. And man, it's so important to you because it changed their lives. It's like, cause nobody cares about your market report at all. <laughs> they care about why you care, you know? Yep. That's awesome. Congrats on all the success with that. It's incredible. Cause I think it's an untapped area for, for most people in, in the business. Uh, Natalie, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute blast and pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for sitting on a panel with Andrew last week. He said awesome things about that. We're fired up to see you in person again. And Let's do it. Thank you so much. You're awesome. I can't wait to uh, share this out when it comes so people can know how absolutely batshit I am. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, it's a good thing, in my opinion. Most broken. All right, up. Natalie, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.